0: So at this point in the story, the Persian Empire just got beat at the Battle of Marathon by a bunch of Greeks. After the greatest empire in the history of the world got humiliated by a bunch of armored farmers, it would be a little bit of an understatement to say that Darius I was kinda mad. During the 36 years of his reign, men were all scared when the great king was mad. This time, he supplies them all even more. Darius I, king of kings, rulers of all lands in Egypt to India died on the bright side his son xerxes got to be king and without much competition at that the 33 year old man took the throne for the first time with one goal to start with, to complete what his dad had started as the young king climbed the throne for the first time he set to work the second invasion of greece the expedition would be by far the greatest largest and most expensive in the history of the world Other than just an entire system of bridges, support stations, and canals, the king called on the royal army of his empire, every part of his empire. To call it just an army would be nearly wrong. Xerxes called on Assyrians, Phoenicians, Babylonians, Egyptians, Jews, Macedonians, European, Thracians, Paeonians, Achaean Greeks, Ionians, Aegean Islanders, Aeolians, Greeks from Pontus, Colchians, and Indians to his army. The empire summoned the city's worth of servants and slaves just to support the military. A massive imperial fleet of 1,200 ships protected and moved an army of nearly 500,000 imperial soldiers. Xerxes himself intended to leave nothing for chance. The king intended to conquer Greece if not for himself, and for the memory of his dad. Meanwhile in Greece, no one was surprised to hear that earth and water from the messengers of Persia. The only question? was what to do with them. The Spartan king himself, Leonidas I, took to taking his ambassador to a well and kicking him to his death, yelling, you can find earth and water down there. Athens itself quickly found itself in a panic but what to do with the returning Persian army. While only the Greek cities could literally do nothing while they watched the first Persian invasion threaten to destroy them all. Surprisingly, was the first to call for a congress of all the Greeks. Sparta, on the other hand, unsurprisingly, was the first to answer that call for war against Persia. So, on a cold straight day, the call for unity against Persia was answered by only 70 cities. and the Greek were the Nazis, the Greeks were the sworn alliance. Thebes, the third biggest city in Greece, was not one of them. The battle plan. To hold off the Persians at Thermopylae while a fleet destroyed them at Artemisium. Persia, being smart, marched their army during the holiest of Spartan holidays, where war was illegal. Sparta, also being smart, sent an army of 300 Spartans led by King Leonidas as his bodyguard, taking them to the narrow pass at Thermopylae. Here, the hoplite formation of the Spartan army could hold the Persians without getting flanked. Herodotus of Halicarnassus says, the Greeks at Thermopylae, when the Persians drew near the pass, fearfully took counsel on whether to depart. The rest of the Peloponnesians were for returning to the Peloponnese and guarding the Ispas. but Leonidas voted to remain there and sent messengers to the cities, bidding them to send help, since they were too few to ward off the army of the Persians. Spartan mothers always spoke to their sons before they marched war. Back with your shield, come back King Leonidas I, the 17th of the Aegean dynasty, the son of Hercules and the son of Cadmus, came back on his shield. Thermopylae would not be a victory for the Spartans, far from it. It would be a slaughterhouse. The hoplite formations of only 300 soldiers, along with 7,000 other Greek soldiers, who couldn't do much to hold the wave of 300,000 Persian infantrymen. Every one soldier himself would have to fight against 43 Persians. Herodotus tells a story about a Persian scout. He saw some of the men exercising and others combing their hair. He marveled at the sight and took note of their numbers. When he observed it all carefully, he rode back in leisure, since no one cared to pursue him or pay him any attention at all. So he returned and he told Xerxes all that he had seen. When Xerxes heard that, he could not comprehend the fact that the Lacedaemonians were actually, to their best of their ability, preparing to kill or be killed. What they did appear laughable to him. So he sent for Demardus, the son of Ariston, who was in the camp. He said to him, "Rest assured that if you overcome these men and those remaining behind at Sparta, there is no one else on earth who will raise his hands to withstand you, my king." It is genuinely surprising that the Hoplites could hold the pass for three whole days, fighting without rest. Maybe they just wanted him more, or maybe they had a better weapons, or maybe they had a whole better strategy. Yet on the 10th of September, or BC, King the died doing what he did best. The young Hellenic Council now met to figure out their next plan. Thermopylae was lost, and so was all of northern Greece. Athens quickly evacuated all of its men, women, and children to Corinth, south of the Isthmus. The council had fallen to its final emergency plan. The Peloponnesian Peninsula was to become a fortress, defended by all the hoplites Greece could gather. The Greek armies were to fall back to the Isthmus, the narrowest part of Greece at only 7 kilometers from side to side. A whole defensive line was built and fortified to stand against the coming Persian army. And Everyone to the north was abandoned to the Persians, pretty much left for dead, which included the city of Athens. By late September, Athens fell for the first time in its history to Persia. Everyone too weak to run or too prideful to leave was killed. The city burned and the Temple of Athena destroyed. Herodotus of Halicarnassus says those Persians who had come up first took themselves to the gate. they opened and slew all the defenders and when they had laid off all the athenians dead then they plundered the temple and burnt to ash the whole of the acropolis everyone could tell from a map of greece that the peloponnese wasn't worth holding if the greeks could attack by sea on its massive coastline on that september morning the battle of salamis began when the greeks put together every unfurled ship and every worthy trireme against the persians 300 Greek ships versus 1,200 Phoenician, Persians, and Greek and Egyptian ships. The Greeks, being crafty, did absolutely nothing while they waited in the harbor as the entire Persian fleet passed by. The Persian fleet noticed and decided to enter the harbor and attack, which was their final mistake. The 1,200 Persian ships were disorganized and cramped in the tiny harbor. While the 300 Greek ships had free reign to form battle lines. As the Greek column destroyed the Persian clutter of ships, you could remember the hoplites of Sparta at Thermopylae. Remember the defensive line the Allies made at the Isthmus of Corinth? Athens, a city to the north of the line, definitely remembered. When Athens lost the debate to the council about the, the defensive line, they took their allied armies and ships and left for Athens itself. At this point, after their devastating loss at Salamis, Xerxes feared that the crossing back to Asia would be captured and destroyed, stranding his army in Greece. He ran for Persia and left Meridinus, the first Persian invasion, to lead the army. Meridinus was the one who fought in Thrace, only to get hurt and injured and have to return to Persia. The Athenians marched north to resettle whatever there was left of their burnt city. Athens, at this point, was nearly empty, a husk of what it was before. Rebidonius retook the rebirth of Athens as an insult, and he began his leadership with the Persian army by marching to Athens. He started by burning it down, killing anyone who hadn't ran after the first time, and then proceeded to demolish every standing building, wall, or statue. The allies for the first time took pity on the Athenians. They waited ten days for the Spartan ceremony of Hyacinthus and then took to forming the greatest hoplite army in the history of Greece. Eighty thousand bronze-clad warriors abandoned the defensive line of Corinth and marched north to meet Meridianus and his army of a hundred and twenty thousand Persian soldiers. On an August afternoon, The Greeks formed their hoplite lines on a hill called Plataea, across from the Persian light infantry, Persian archers, and Persian cavalry. The Greeks started off strong by running from the battlefield, away from the Persian lines. They ran back to secure the supply lines and communication lines, harassed by Persian horse riders. This one accidental move, starting off the battle by running away led to their victory. The Persian lines smashed into the Greek line at the exact first on a steep hill, faced against iron spears. The Thedians hit the lightly armored Theban phalanx, while the Spartans on the opposite flank hit the Persian cavalry. Both sides had the advantage of facing the enemy higher than them on a muddy hill. The Persians held their ground like they were trained to do, and hit The Spartans slaughtered the weaker shields of the Persians way by way. when the Persians started grabbing their bronze spears which switched to steel swords. The leader of the Persians, Aridinus, fought with a thousand man bodyguard around them. There was one Spartan, Arimislas, who fought his way through the opening of their lines and killed Aridinus with a rock, a single blow to the head. With the death of their leader, the Persians routed and ran from the Spartan lines. Maybe they were just scared, or maybe they were relieved that they didn't have to stand any longer. The Spartans, the Medes, and all of the great king's nations from across the world ran away from Spartan spears. But the battle of Plataea was won, and with the Persians, war ended. Sparta and Athens fought to prove themselves as free cities to the world. Herodotus of Halicarnassus says, militarily, the major lesson of Plataea was to re-emphasize the superiority of the hoplite warrior over the more lightly armored Persian infantry, as had first been seen at the Battle of Marathon. It was the first major loss of the Persians, and it began a series of events that would lead to their downfall. In Greece, the scene was set for the Peloponnesian War.